Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. So this morning, uh, we're not going to do a typical Mother's Day service because that's just not how we roll here. Uh, we're actually going to do what I call Mythbusters Mother's Day edition. So we're going to look at um, some of the myths around one of the most popular passages of scriptures when it comes not just to moms, but to women in general. All right, so how many people are familiar with Proverbs 31, right? And you've heard, I mean, the phrase, I think Proverbs 30, be a Proverbs 31 woman, and there are memes, there are shirts, there are podcasts, Facebook groups, coffee cups. Um, I'm surprised they haven't gotten to a ticker tape parade, but that's probably coming, because there's all kind of stuff telling women to be a Proverbs 31 woman. However, um, not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but there's a myth that, hey, that's the biblical standard that God says women of any type should be. And that's not quite correct. It, it, it is in the Bible, right? We're going we're gonna to look there. If you want to open a Bible and turn to Proverbs 31, we're going to jump there in a minute. Uh, but it's actually a myth that that's what God says, this is the standard for women. Now, we typically walk through um, Proverbs. We do an ongoing series called A Word to the Wise, where after we finish teaching through a book of the Bible or a topical series, we'll pull out one of the Proverbs and walk through it. Um, but this particular one... Um, Again, there's this huge myth that says that God laid out that this is the standard that all women should aspire to be. Now, let me, let me, let me preface that by saying this. Uh, there are things in the Bible called instructions, where God gives instructions. This is what you are to do. You want to live a happy life. You want to be great. You want to live your life for the Lord. Do this. There are things that are called descriptions. That's where, in the Bible, something happens. It's described, but it's not meant for us to go and do, right? And then there are instructions where God specifically says, hey, this is an instruction. There's a prescription, which is, here's something that happens. And if you apply this to your life, it will work. It will make your life better. But it's not commanding, thou must doest this if? Is that king? Whatever. Thou must do this, Right? So there's prescriptions. Hey, this is great. If you apply it to your life, it'll be great. There's instructions. Do this. And then there's descriptions. This is what happened in the Bible, not meant for you to do, right? Here's a perfect example. Everyone remembers Moses parting of the Red Sea, right? If you're running from someone and you run up to the river, God isn't saying this is what you should do because I'm going to part that sea for you. That's not an instruction. It's not even a prescription that God says, if you do this, it might work out for you. It's just a description of something that happened in the Bible and something that God did. Does that make sense? So um, the same is true uh, with Proverbs 31, uh, because the Bible doesn't command women to live up to the standard of a Proverbs 31 woman. Now, it's a good prescription there's some great stuff in there where if a woman says, hey, I want to apply this to my life, it's great, but it's not a biblical command 
you must live like this or you're not living up to what God commands for you for your life. All right? Now, again, if you want to turn there, um, we're going to read through this together because I don't want people to think that, hey, Floyd's a heretic or, uh, you know, trying to lead people astray or going against what the Bible says. And this is why whenever we walk through the Bible, we do it in context so we have a full understanding of what the Word of God says. Uh, so turn to Proverbs 31, but I'm going to put the first couple of verses up on the screen, uh, and then we'll all like walk through it in the Scriptures together. So in Proverbs 31, verse 1 says this, right? The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance, his mother taught him. Now, first and foremost, most of the Proverbs written by Solomon, right? That's why, you know, we think, oh, these are great words of wisdom, but not all of them were written by Solomon. The one before this, Proverbs 30, was written by, I can't pronounce it, King Agur, Agaur, King A-G-U-R, however you want to pronounce that, right? Uh, not Solomon. People aren't sure if this is actually King Solomon or if it's another king, um, and it says it's an inspired utterance. Some versions say a prophetic word. Some versions, uh, versions say the divine word. Because regardless of who it is, it's understood that these words are the divine words of God. So yes, you can, like, as a prescription, look at them and say, if I apply these to my life, is my life going to get better? Absolutely it is, right? Um, here's the thing. I want to put it up in the amplified version because it gives more context. It says the words of Lemuel king of Massa, which his mother taught him. And that's giving a little bit more information. They don't quite know where Massa was or if it existed. Some theologians believe it was somewhere where Italy is kind of in that area today, which Israel had no territory over there, which is why they think this might not be King Solomon, but they're not exactly sure. In the complete Jewish Bible version, which is taking the language and seeing how a Jewish Hebrew person would have understood it, it says this, the words of King Lemuel, and Lemuel means uh, of God, so they lean towards it's possibly Solomon, the prophecy with which his mother disciplined him. So they look at it and say, and a discipline, not like discipline, like beat or berate or whatever, discipline as in trained him, equipped him, and prepared him, which is what mothers do, Right? They help train their kids, they equip them, and they prepare them to go out and do life. And so many people think, yeah, this may be Solomon, but even if it isn't Solomon, even if it's not, these are the inspired words of God that we should take to heart. But again, not a command that, hey, ladies, if you're not living up to this, you're not doing God's will. Okay, so um, the next couple of verses say this says, listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. So just for context, whoever wrote this, right, King Lemuel, he's not the one who came up with these words. He's writing the words that his mother used to equip and train him and bring him up. Now, uh, where it says the answer to my prayer, that's where, again, some people lean towards it might be Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, because she lost her first son when he was very young, and they believe if she prayed for a second son that this son, Solomon, would be an answer to prayer. 
Again, whether it's Solomon, whether it's Lemuel, we know it's the words of God, but here's the key. This is important. This is not some guy telling women, here's how you ought to be or here's how you ought to live. This is a mother training her son in here's how you ought to look at, treat, and respect women. Those are two totally different things because there's a culture that says, hey, I don't need to listen to the Bible because it's a bunch of men who are demeaning women and telling them how to live, and I don't need to hear that. This is not that. This is a woman using words of wisdom divinely inspired by God to tell her sons, her children, here's how you're to respect and to treat women. Now, that's a whole different category uh, than what we're used to, right? Uh, and she says, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. Now, the entire basis for the rest of Proverbs 31 is her explaining those two things. Don't waste your vigor on those who ruin kings. She talks about that in the next couple of verses. And then the rest of the verses that everyone is familiar with, verses 10 through, through uh, 31, which talk about a godly woman, right? Now, uh, here's the thing. Most people, they will separate the two. And they're like, okay, verses 1 through 9, that's, that's one conversation that she has. And then verses 10 through 31, that's a total separate conversation. Because verses 1 through 9 are all about not getting drunk, right? I mean, that's what most moms tell their children. Don't get drunk, don't get drunk, don't get drunk. Don't go out, you'll do crazy things, yada, 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 right? The next verses are about how to find a godly woman, so they kind of separate them. But if you put them all together, it makes more sense. Because this is the same woman who said, hey, I'm going to tell you, you know, don't waste your time running around chasing women, and also don't waste your time, your vigor doing these crazy things that might ruin your kinghood, right? And this is all going to come together in a minute. So um, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Proverbs 31. And we're going to read through these verses uh, kind of quickly because we're not going to read through all of them. We're going to jump through them. So she's already said, hey, this is the words of his mother. Or he wrote, this is the words his mother taught him. Uh, son of my womb, son of my vows, don't spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who roar in kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. So again, this is a woman, his mother speaking to him. Not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Again, this is her saying, hey, don't get drunk. That's not for you. Then she says, give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish, let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. And wine and alcohol can make you forget your pain. Wine and alcohol can make you forget the anguish and struggles that you're going through. Wine and alcohol can also make you forget the responsibilities that you have. And no one has to raise their hand, but some of us have probably been in high school or college and missed the class because of wine or alcohol. Some of us have always probably been late to work because of wine or alcohol. Some of us have probably missed the responsibilities that we're supposed to do because of wine or alcohol. So this is a mom telling her son that don't waste your time on this because these are the type of things that can ruin a king, right? And then she goes on and she says, here's what you're supposed to do. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And then 
she starts talking about what she mentioned earlier, which is, hey, don't spend your strength on women. Now she starts talking about, here's how you find a good woman. In verse 10, she says, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. And where it says noble, it's not thinking about noble like a class. Like find someone in your class. Find someone in your financial bracket. Find someone in your level. That word noble means find someone of value and substance, which if you contrast that, no disrespect to the women, but guys, to the type of girls that we would normally go after if we're out in a bar getting drunk, those are two different levels of women, right? No disrespect, but most guys won't look for a woman of substance and value. They look for a woman that just looks pleasing to the eye. And she's saying, don't do that. And she says, if you find a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. She's saying, this is a mom telling her son that if you find a woman who has substance and value, who is interested in more than just being a one-night stand, but interested in being a wife and making a commitment, you have hit the jackpot. Because you can't buy a woman like that, a woman of value, a woman who looks at herself and has high self-esteem, a woman of substance. And then she goes on and she says this, her husband has full confidence in her, lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life, speaking of commitment. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. And people have used this to say, this is the Bible saying that the woman's supposed to stay home, serve her husband, serve her kids. That's not what this says. This is a mom telling her son, hey, you need to find a woman who is able to commit who's smart, who's business-minded. This is a woman with servants working for her. And if you drop down to verse 18, it says she, or excuse me, she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp doesn't go out at night. This isn't someone staying home trying to be barefoot and pregnant. This is a woman who's running a business, is business-minded, has wisdom, has insight, has uh, uh, different skills and capabilities. It says, in her hand she holds distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers, so she's skilled. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So this is a neighborhood mom who looks out for the people in the community and is willing to help others, right? It says, uh, verse 25, she's clothed with strength and dignity. Again, this is a mom saying, this is what you should look for. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So she's able to speak to others. She's able to equip others. She's able to talk to other people and instruct them. She watches over the affairs of her household. Her family is a priority to her. Verse 26, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her because she deserves it. And I get, and I get, and I, I, I was talking to, um, I wasn't talking to, but kind of chatting with um, a woman who posted a video about how difficult Mother's Day is for her. Because even though she has children, uh, around Mother's Day several years ago, she lost her mom. And her birthday is around Mother's Day, and that was a very big day for them. So this is a hard time for them. And my response was, hey, I understand that's hard. 
I understand that was difficult. I understand your whole family probably bore the weight of that. But if you can find it in your heart, allow them to celebrate you because you're the one that got them through that. You're the one that encouraged them. You're the one that helped them. You're the one that instructed them, hey, we're going to be okay. We're going to see, see this through. And just as your mom would probably be proud of you for doing that, your children want to celebrate you for all that you do for them. So if it is a hard day, I get that. But it can also be a day where your family acknowledges, just like we read, all that you do for them, right? Her husband also praises her because she deserves it. And then uh, this is the thing that the mom instructed Lemuel to write. Many women do noble things, but you, a woman like this, surpass them all. A woman who, who is committed to her family, whose business mind, it's not saying you have to work outside the home, but, they, but many women do, and that's okay. A woman who is able to take care of others and instruct others and lift up others and encourage others and take care of others. The mom says, hey, that woman surpasses every other woman on the planet. I'm going to put verse 30 up on the screen in a different version uh, because most of us uh, don't necessarily read the amplified version, but it kind of expands on the language. Because it says, charm and grace are deceptive. And beauty is vain because it is not lasting. But a woman who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This is a mother telling her children or her son, this is the type of woman you are supposed to look for. This is the wife of noble substance and value and character. Not the woman who you think, wow, my eyes popped out of my head the moment I saw her, although there's nothing wrong with finding a beautiful woman, but beauty fades. She's telling her son, look for a woman who worships God and fears the Lord. Now, I'm going to put this up in one more version. Uh, the message version, it's called the Bible in Common Language. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase because it says it in just plain common English. And this is what it says. It says this. It says, charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in fear of God. That's the type of woman you want. That's the type of woman that you will seek after. That's the type of woman who will bless you, your life, your family, your children. And it says, and this, I find this funny, give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. I have no idea what festoon means. Didn't even want to look it up because I was afraid what might pop up. I have no idea. But I get the point that, hey, you find a woman like that, she deserves everything you can give to her. She deserves your whole heart. She deserves your whole time. She deserves your attention. You will call her blessed. Your children will call her blessed. People in your community will acknowledge what an awesome, wonderful woman of God that you have. This is not the words of men trying to tell women, here's how you ought to behave. Here's how you ought to dress. Here's how you ought to think. These are the divinely inspired words of a woman telling her son, you need to find a, a woman of God. And if you do, you will have hit the jackpot. Because there's nothing on this planet that is better than that. 
And we read all the time and we hear that the Bible degrades or demeans women, and it doesn't. The Bible encourages and lifts up women and tells men to do the same. The Bible doesn't tell us to degrade women. The Bible doesn't tell us to sexualize women. The Bible doesn't tell us to oogle or mistreat women. The Bible tells us to lift up, hold up, encourage, and put them in high esteem. Um, I was going to share, or I am going to share one more thing. I was going to have us sing a song, but I want to share this one thing first as the band comes up. And we're going to sing this old school song. There is a verse in, uh, uh, I think it's 1 Timothy, where people usually take this out of context because it's a verse that it tells women about wearing jewelry and not to wear too much jewelry and let your inner beauty come from this. And I just had a conversation with a woman the other day who was like, see, this is why I don't like the Bible, because it's trying to tell women how to dress. This is one of the reasons why we read the Bible in context. When Paul wrote that verse, you go home and look it up for yourself, and you can Google it. When Paul wrote that, he wasn't trying to tell women how to dress. Timothy, who was a pastor in Ephesus, wrote to him and said, hey, we got a situation here because there are women who are coming in, and, and they're dressed the way they used to live because that culture was one where, in Ephesus, women were over-sexualized that had temples where jobs uh, for women were to do stuff that we can't talk about in church. And just think of Vegas, but worse. No disrespect if anyone's from Vegas, all right? But just think of Vegas, but worse. And Timothy is like, hey, Paul, what do I do? And Paul said, hey, tell these women, they don't have to dress like that anymore to please men, because that's what men told them to dress like. Paul said, tell them that God has given them an inner beauty, an inner value, and they can dress however they want. Their goal isn't to please men. Their goal is to live a life pleasing to God. That's the thing that the Bible encourages women to do and men to treat women. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and I want to take a moment again and just reiterate that I realize that today is, while it's celebratory for many moms, it's hard for a lot of people. A lot of people who didn't have good moms, maybe a lot of people who had moms who did some of the things we spoke about. They, They leaned the wrong way, they drank too much, they did too much this, they just weren't there. But what the Bible encourages is for us to be a family to one another, to support one another, And I remember raising my children. They didn't just have one mom. They had many moms throughout the church. And some of you had churches that you grew up in like that, where there were many moms and many people who would reach out to and help and encourage and strengthen your children. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up again all of those people who are struggling with this day, struggling with the hardship that it brings, struggling with the maybe some memories that are coming to mind, struggling with the realities of uh, maybe the lack of parenting that occurred or maybe the loss of a parent in their life. God, we pray today that they would acknowledge that you can not only be a God to them, but a father to them, a parent to them. We pray that you would help them overcome the anxiety and anguish that they're feeling. Pray that you give them peace 
about this time and this day. And we pray that you would just put their minds at ease. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.